0: Good evening and welcome to the relationship game changers prayer call we bless you in the name of jesus father we just pray for this technology as the phone has dropped already father god i just ask you lord that as this is your bullhorn god And, Lord, I just thank you that you own it. I thank you that this technology is under our authority, and it will work for the plans and purposes of God tonight. We bless you. We honor you. We worship you. And we thank you for choosing us. We thank you, Lord, for laboring and being faithful to us, even in the times we've been faithless toward you. We bless you. We honor you today. We worship you. We give you all the praise and the glory. We just thank you, and we bless your holy name tonight, God. We thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Well, welcome to the Relationship Game Changers call again. We just thank you so much for your faithfulness, whether you're here for the first time, whether you're just jumping on and catch us in the middle of what we're doing, uh, or whether you are faithful, always a shout out to those that lay the the train tracks at 7, between 7.30 and 8, and just really just create a way for the Spirit of God to be able to move and make ministry of the word easy. So I appreciate you guys, your faithfulness so much. I, I really believe that it's not one but together we are a formidable army and a formidable adversary to the powers and principalities that be and i can i would be remiss if i didn't thank mother kennedy i tell you what every time i hear that show far boy to recognize this woman is over 80 years old and it's blowing a shofar the way you do surely god can restore the youth of his people in jesus name we thank you so much for always coming on and and i love to hear the shofar it calls our attention keeps our attention on god himself and so thank you thank you so much well a lot has happened today and nothing has happened today (laughs) i mean we have this thing going on all of the time and I'm not going to unpack that statement right now but suffice it to say that that God never stops working and his word is true let every man be a liar. God is committed to righteousness. He does not change his mind. Righteousness and peace are the foundations of his throne. And righteousness is the scepter upon which he rules. And so we thank God for the mind and the ability to declare his word, continue to declare his word in this nation. And we stand with God in what he's doing and trust him through this process in Jesus' name. Well, I want to talk about this week what I talked about or what I started talking about last week when I told shared with you guys that I believe God is doing three things through everything that's happening. I said that He was saving Uh, He was separating and sanctifying. I think he's shoring up. I believe he's shoring up the salvation of some. I think some are rededicating their lives to him. I think some are in a place of just... Just turning, you know, to him areas that previously they held on to. And I also think he's separating. I think we've had round one, and I want to talk about round two tonight. And then he is always, and then he's also sanctifying. And all these three things are happening at the same time. God is not linear. He is more dynamic in his thought, and he can do more than one thing at one time. It amazes me that he never gets our names mixed up. He never confuses my prayer with your prayer. And somehow he manages that for billions of people on the face of the earth. My God, what a mighty God we serve. So there's no detail. There is nothing that takes place that hasn't gone across daddy's desk first. The Bible says all things are from him, through him, and to him. And that what the enemy intends for evil, God will turn it to the good and to the glory of them that love him in Jesus' name. So I want to talk about separation tonight, and um, let's see. I want to take a deeper dive into separation. So I'm going to read some scriptures to you, and I'm going to share uh, what I believe the Lord has given me. As always, I encourage you to weigh it out in your own soul and spirit with your relationship with God. Go back, look at the scriptures and all of those things so that you can know in your heart that God, what resonates, uh, or what God is saying to you, when there are things that I'm saying that resonate with you, that is a good indication that God might want to talk to you further about that thing, whether it's a check, whether he wants to refine something, whether he just wants to expound on something that's said. So pay attention. I always tell you, pay attention when you're listening to anyone uh, speaking pay attention to what resonates with you because at us oftentimes what God wants to speak with you about it's not how many scriptures you and I read it's not how many we memorize and all of those things are important but most important is uh, are, are, are for us to embrace digest where we get arrested in the scripture. For where we get arrested is where the Spirit of God is laboring in us in the present moment. So as you listen tonight, I reiterate, listen for what resonates with you. Um, As I said to you also in weeks past, Uh, To understand you know uh, where a person is coming from you need to understand the call of God on their life because then you'll understand the context from what they're speaking you will also understand how God has framed them to see the Word of God and when something is truly of God uh, the context the call are not in uh, conflict with other calls and they're not in competition but it is parallel. It is all the members supplying. And so um, uh, in terms of, of my call, it is to the body of Christ, that the, the house of God. I share with you Ezekiel. I think it's 317 where Ezekiel was called to speak to the house of God. That is my call. My context is always with an eye to preparing the bride of Christ for the return of Jesus Christ, that she can be equally yoked without spot or wrinkle. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, God's not coming back for a flat-chested bride. He's coming back for a mature bride that can walk with him, that can reign with him, that can fellowship with him, that can receive from him, that can supply to him. Oh, my gosh, he's coming back for a bride that is ready for him, and Revelations tells us that the bride right now is preparing herself. And so that's my call. Everything I've written uh, from 20 years ago, 25 years ago, to up until this very moment to what I'm working on now has to do with relationships in the body of Christ, preparing the bride for the inevitable return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so that is the call and the context with which I want to share with you tonight. And again, I've talked about saving, separating and sanctifying. Tonight, I want to dig deeper into this separating work. Why do I want to dig deeper? Because God only sanctifies what he separates. Let me say that again. God will only sanctify what is set apart for sanctification. And so we need to understand the separation that's taking place that we might be sanctified in order that we might be prepared for the revival, the impending revival, the great harvest that we are going to be partakers in and operate at maximum efficiency in the the assignments that God has given us for that particular time. So let me give you a few things about separation, share with you some scriptures, share with you some of my thoughts, and then we'll pray. Number one, separation is God's requirement. That's not an opinion, it's not a good idea. It's God's requirement. Leviticus 20:24 20, says, hence I have said to you, you are to possess their land, and I myself will give it to you to possess, a land flowing with milk and honey, I am the Lord, your God, who has separated you from the peoples. So each of us, we have a land, the church. We are called to take territory, to occupy until Christ returns, that God has given each of us a land to possess. That first land is our soul and our body. That's the first assignment is to possess your body and your soul. I remember my uh, youngest daughter at the time, I think she was four or five, and my oldest daughter was a teenager. And I remember my youngest daughter <laughs> saying to me, "She says, Mom, Dad gets to tell you what to do, and sometimes, and and Taylor, and and you get to tell Taylor what to do, and Taylor gets to tell me what to do. But who do I get to tell what to do?" And I said, and I was like, "Lord, help me with this question." So finally, what come, came up out of me was this let me see you raise your hand. And she raised her hand. I said, let me see how many times you can jump up and down. And she jumped up and down about three or four times. And I said, hmm, let me see you scream. And she screamed. And we did three or four more of these things. I said, oh, my gosh, do you realize that you get to tell your body what to do and it has to obey you? And she just looked dumbfounded like, yeah, I can. And so I say all that to say the first land that you and I are to take possession of is our soul. I've said to you before, John ten seventeen and 18, that no one takes our life. We lay it down only to take it up again, this command we have received from the Father. And sometimes we struggle in taking land outside of us because we haven't taken the land that is in us. That is our soul. And so I just pray that as we possess our soul, as we possess our soul, the land that is ours will truly become ours and manifest in our lifetime. Uh, 1 Kings 8.53 8, uh, 8 says, For you have separated them from all the peoples of the earth as your inheritance, As you spoke through Moses, your servant, when you brought our fathers forth from Egypt, O Lord God. So God brought a separated people out of bondage. He had already separated them to himself, and he brought them out of bondage. Ezra 9-1 says, Now when these things have been completed, the princes approached me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land according to their abominations. And then he named several people groups and, uh, uh, that represent the abominations that the people of God had not separated themselves from. And then in Second Corinthians 6, 17, it says, therefore, Come out from their midst and be separate," says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. So there is a welcoming that comes when we separate ourselves. I read last week in Second Corinthians 6:17 that we're to separate ourselves from a lawlessness go back and listen it talks about separating ourselves from lawlessness this is a kingdom responsibility that we're to separate ourselves and, and many of us uh, uh, have, have believed and I do believe that what is happening in the earth today is a battle between good and evil between righteousness and lawlessness and each of, each one of us have to uh, decide What that is, what that means to us, and as Christians, we must do it according to the word of God. Number two, separation is voluntary. Listen, God would not require us to separate ourselves, as we just saw in 2 Corinthians 6.17, if we were not already separated and thereby had the ability to separate ourselves. If we were in bondage we would not have the ability to separate ourselves. So G, so God brought e, um Israel out of Egypt so that they could take part in the separation. So he separated them, so he called them out, he separated them, then called them out and then charged them to be separate. So we are delivered from bondage and God and and through that now we are free when we are out of bondage or free from bondage, we are free to take part in the separation that Jesus Christ won for us by dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, and having ascended to the Father, and have the keys of death and life in his hand. We were set free according to Romans. And because we've been set free, now we have, and separated by God, earmarked for salvation, We have the ability to separate ourselves. And so today, separation is a choice. God's not forcing people to separate themselves to him. And in part, that's one of the reasons we have a church that is divided. We have two cultures going on in the church at the same time. We have two sets of beliefs at the same time in the church. There was a time in the Old Testament where the, the, the house of God was separated in, in, in two kingdoms. So this separation of people according to the word and the will of God is not unusual. We are in a time where God is separating his people to himself. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals, opinions, and the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think this will empower you to discern or distinguish god's will and live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes i want you to make note inwardly transform so it's not just a physical separation it's not just vocally standing and say i am for this or i am against that it's not just our declarations that matter there's another level of separation. Before I get that, let me get to number three. This separation is unto the Lord. It's not separation to a cause, it's not separation to a church, it's not separation to a denomination. And yes, I dare add, it's not separation to a political party, it is separation to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Acts 13 and 2 says, as they worshipped the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Before, as I so I said before, that they could separate. Barnabas and Saul because God had already separated Saul and Barnabas, and this was the physical manifestation and invitation for the people of God to take part in what god had separated to himself i've said this before it is god who calls people to particular offices or positions men and women do not call men and women to positions in god's kingdom the king and his father do the calling at best we confirm the call or the set-apartness of a particular individual. And one of the ways we do that is by the fruit that's that, that's occurring and being reproduced in their lives. That's one of the ways we do it. But God calls each one of us. So don't wait for, you know, wow, when somebody's gonna knight me or, or call me this or that, you know, then, then I'll be legitimate. Nope, you're legitimate. When you respond to the word and the will of God, and you hear him call you, and he develops you, he qualifies you, and then what? as you begin working that thing out, people will begin to confirm you. People will begin to affirm your gifts. I knew when I got saved in 1982, I remember sitting on my dorm room bed, and I said, Lord, if I could have anything from you, I would just want to be wise. I would want to be able to know how to skillfully use your word with integrity. I would want to be able to make profound things simple for your people, that they could see you and fall in love with you like I do. And I and, 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 and I just continued and thank God that he gave me his wisdom. And I will tell you today, from friend and foe will have called me wise. That's not because I'm wise in and of myself. It is because the Lord has given me that And has developed that in me. So I say all that to say it's not what people say of you and I that matters. It's what God has said of you and your willingness to walk it out with him when nobody's looking, when nobody gives you credit, when nobody appreciates, when you get looked over and all of those kind of things. You hold fast to the profession of your faith because he is faithful who has called you and he is faithful to perform it. So Paul and Barnabas, they were separated to a task, but they were separated to the Lord first, not to the task, not to the work, not to the ministry. God anoints men and women to carry a particular message. He anoints men and women. Men and women then build ministries or do the work, but God anoints men and women. And why is that important? Well, we'll see, as God is separating people, why the anointing is upon a person to carry out a particular message to people or to an audience that God has given them to influence. 2 Corinthians 8.5 says, they exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. So God's pleasure is that we will be wholly his that ministry, that work, that our giftings would not rise above our relationship and who God wants us to be and offer to him as individuals. And when that happens, when the work, when the ministry, when people, when this or that rises above, whether it's race, if race rises above who the Lord Jesus Christ is, we are committing idolatry, and that is a sin. God wants all of us. He died, he became a man to redeem man. And the worst part of each of us is the part of us, the part of our humanity, the good, the bad, the ugly, that we withhold from him who who came to redeem the very thing that you are withholding. That is an insult. It is an affront to God when we withhold the thing he came to redeem. And we're doing it all the time. The challenge God has with his people in this hour is not sin. Sin has already been judged. It has already been condemned. In so much that we hold on to it and don't confess it, then we are condemned with the sin. Not that God is trying to condemn us, but he has already made determinations about things that he calls an uh, abomination. But the worst thing that we that are Christians can do right now is to hide from God. Because the only response, the only option he has when we're hiding and he, we are a bought possession. The Bible says we have been brought, um, we are a, we've been bought, and our life is not our own. So God owns us in so much as that we've given ourselves to God. The only recourse you and I give God when we insist on hiding is for Him to expose us for him to expose us, not to destroy us, but only that which comes to the light, only that which comes into relationship with Christ and those that he is ordained has the possibility of being healed. Anything outside of relationship does not get healed. So things in isolation – tend toward deterioration. Why? Because there's no opportunity for healing when you keep that hurt or your pain to yourself. There's no opportunity for healing when you are holding things against people. There's no opportunity for healing when you're lifting your ministry or your work above the spirit and, and of God and your relationship with him because there's just no opportunity for God to heal the deep recesses of our heart, which brings me to number four, God desires total and complete separation of our spirit, soul, and body. And as I said, that our gifts, time, talents, money, our works, our service, you know, our, our looks, our possessions, you know, these things may be great and we can bring these things to the Lord. Uh. And he'll accept them, he'll use them, he'll, people, He will allow us to influence people's lives, even for the sake of the kingdom. Paul said at one time, "I know there are those that are preaching the gospel out of selfless ambition, but let them preach. I'll take the, you know God'll take the fruit. He'll deal with the tear later." And then Jesus said, "Let the wheat and the tares grow together." For in the day of judgment, God will separate them. So God will take our gifts and talents. He'll take our time, our money, and he will use it to the lifting up and the building of his kingdom in the soul and in the hearts of his people. Because the kingdom is inside of us. It's not outside. So God needs people who are able to live in such a way that we can connect with the heart and soul of others and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus want and God want a place, us, our souls, our bodies to inhabit and to be able to use at his disposal, that there's no obstruction of justice in our souls because we've allowed ourselves to be judged. The Bible says judge yourself and then you won't be judged. He said let judgment begin with the household of God. The challenge with many of us, and I'm not excluding myself, is that we speak and teach the word of God, but we've got all kinds of obstructions in our soul, and God's got to navigate that to even get the best of the gift that he's given us. What could he do if there were no obstructions in our soul? Jesus said it this way, that when the devil came, he found nothing in me. Well, what part of him was he talking about? couldn't be talking about his spirit. Because he had the spirit of God, and his spirit was in complete, perfect alignment with God. Couldn't be talking about his body because we don't know of any instances where Jesus got sick. So he had, and, and again, this is, this is my understanding, he's talking about Jesus' soul. There was no opposing thought that Jesus didn't surrender to the Father. What? Jesus opposed God? Jesus, Jesus had a different mindset than God? Oh, yes, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he tells us, this isn't my will. This isn't what I want to do, but nevertheless. And yet Jesus also said, the devil came and he found nothing in me, nothing in my soul that would obstruct the justice of God going forth, that would obstruct the love and the grace and the truth of God going forward. God wants all of us. And right now in this hour, God wants the soul of the church the soul of each one of us individually and I speak a lot about that and and go back and look at listen to some of the messages I believe the body of Christ is in the second round of separation so I'm putting all that together now I told you that God is saving separating and sanctifying I gave you at least three things with scripture Uh, that talk about God's desire and requirement that we separate ourselves. I also said to you that separation is voluntary right now, that we are able to separate ourselves because God has already separated us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And yet there is a groundwork in which we must take part with that separation, and we do so by separating ourselves and we have the ability to do that because we've been set free to do that and God has called us and hearts already established the fact that we are separated. And and so and and so the first round of separation um um the first round of separation had to do with um this whole election thing. And I mentioned it briefly that the first separation had to do with being separated from lawlessness or and the God of this world and righteousness. And we know lawlessness and we know righteousness by the scriptures. I'm not going to delineate that here, but when we look at policies and procedures, this is not opinion, this is scriptural, then we can decide for ourselves, for ourselves, what is lawless and righteous, as we read, consider the word of God, and pray. You know, there are two cultures that I see happening in the church um, right now. I think that there is an aspect, and, and both of them are snares, by the way. One culture is elevating human need, you know, compassion and mercy, and, and God loves everybody, and and, and we just got to love people without Justice without truth, we just gotta love and accept everybody and on any terms and and just kind of this just in in my opinion and 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 uh, it is a warped form of love because love without truth enables and encourages sin. Love with uh, truth without love repels people. Jesus was both love and truth in one body with the spirit of God working through him. So one aspect of the church right now is all about love. That's the prevailing message. We need unity. We just need to get along. And so that's one aspect. But the uh, and that's a snare because there but because God is love, but in him he is light, there is no darkness. And so when we have darkness and dark behavior that is condoned, that is parading under the banner of love. It is a lie and an imitation and a commandeering of the God of this world. So that is a snare for people that profess Christ. But on the other side, we have the church that is truth. We're going to stand for truth and righteousness. And in that, and, and in that culture, I find a lack of love. We've got to get beyond just saying, how are you doing, people, you know, to the, when we get to church. We need to take time to hear some people's stories. It might change our opinion of them, and yet we must hold fast to the truth as we're doing so. And so these two things are happening. We have an aspect of the church that is love, 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 love with no truth, and then we have an aspect of the church that is true, 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 true with no love. And both of these have dug their heels in the sand. And both of these can find scripture to support their faith and their belief and their position. But to have one without the other is kind of walking with one leg. I share with you a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, that Jesus in Matthew 23 was talking to the religious folk. And he said, Listen, you are making big deal about tithing and off of all that you have and everything you have, you tithe off of and he said, You know, that's good. You should. But you are neglecting the more important, the weightier things of the law. And he talked about compassion. He talked about integrity. He talked about mercy, justice. Go go back and read it. I think that's Matthew twenty three and twenty three. So you see Jesus is saying, look, you need both of these things at work, and we've been hobbling along in these divided camps because we are operating from one perspective or the other. So the the first round of separation had to do with how we are deciding the choices we made about lawlessness and righteousness, and our vote helped establish where we stand on that. As we speak uh, in the days to come, we'll establish where we stand, whether with lawlessness or righteousness. God is above the political system. He's above the legislative branch. He's He's above the judicial branch. He's above the executive branch. He is of the highest court in the land, and it is him who we have to make our appeal to, and him whose law as kingdom citizens we're required to abide by. So that's round one. Round one was the global, the bigger separation, lawlessness, or righteousness. Round two of the separation begun today. Round two is the choice between those that are righteous and those that are righteous with humility. Let me say that again. Round two of the separation. Those who are righteous and those who are righteous with humility. Micah 6, 8 says, mankind, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what is the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5 says this, we carry this confidence in our hearts because our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength, for our true competence flows out from God's empowering presence. Last week, I said to you or shared with you the scripture that says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in human beings, so that the excellence of God's power can be shown and proven to be of him and not us. This second round of separation, I believe there is a straining going on, like a strainer, like when you put um, noodles in a strainer to get the water out of them. There's nothing wrong with the noodles. They're doing and being and saying what they need to say. But what's being strained out from them is the excess water. And one of the things that I believe God is straining out of the church today is pride, is lust. And so how we respond, how we speak in the days ahead is, will reveal us who we are what sect we are part of are we separating ourselves to righteousness and humility uh, richard texts me a couple scriptures uh, the past couple days and every one of the, the two scriptures he sent me had to do with the love of god and not this mealy mouth hollywood version of love we need the kind of love that destroys the adversary, and that kind of love requires us to digest it and metabolize it for ourselves first because we are the weapon God is using. Human beings are the weapon of choice in God's kingdom. In Satan's kingdom, human beings are the weapon of his choice. What separates the, king, what separates the human beings are not only what we do and say, but who we are, who we are. I said uh, to you before, and I'm going to keep reading this verse because I think it's critical for the body of Christ to really get this and digest this, Philippians 2, 5-8, we're called, Paul tells us to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality of God something to be grasped, pursued, or exploited. Instead, he emptied himself. How did he empty himself? By assuming the form of a servant. Again, I say, this is not your servant leadership message. That's not the kind of servant he's talking about. He goes on to qualify. He emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and and by taking on the likeness of humanity. So Jesus' being a servant was in the appearance or in the likeness of humanity. He could not redeem humanity unless he was like humanity. That's why the sacrifice and bulls of goats were insufficient. They were unlike humanity. They were a substitute, a symbol of what Jesus would accomplish for humanity. He became human to redeem humans. And when he had, beca- he not only became human because humanity is male and female, it qualifies it even further. He not only assumed the form of a servant by taking on the likeness of humanity; he went a step further. He took, he became a man. So we know there are men and women. Well, he became a man. This is a great argument for these gender issues, particularly for those in the body of Christ that are all into this, you know, you could be anything you want, you choose your gender, this scripture, here alone, my God, the model and the firstborn of many sons became a man in the manner of maleness. And when he had emptied himself by becoming a servant in the form of a human being that is in the manner of a man, he then humbled himself and became obedient unto death. So we can't teach humility without teaching this process. And I say all that to say that Jesus did not come to live uh, live on earth as the son of God. He came to live on earth as the son of man, powered or submitted or surrendered to the spirit of God. Paul says in uh 2 Corinthians 5, he says uh, that God was in Christ, in this human being, reconciling the world to himself. That same God is in us and wants to activate, mobilize, utilize our humanity to display his glory. Why does God, I think, not that he needs us to be in weak states and weak positions or or all the odds are against us. Sometimes I think we need to be in those states for us to realize unless God comes through, this thing's not going to happen. Unless God, you know, decides that this is his point of entry, there are going to be other points, maybe another point, but if this is his point of entry, if he doesn't show up, we've exhausted all of that we're capable of doing. And I believe that God is bringing the body of Christ to a place of exhaustion where that we are unable to perform what he desires to perform in and of himself. Psalm 22, 4 says, humility, the fear of the Lord results in wealth, honor, and life. The body of Christ is, you know, I mean, I mean, we're kind of in this like dishonorable state. I mean, nobody, I mean, if you look at the way Christians are viewed, even in this country, is not in an honorable state. Many are being mocked, many are being condemned, uh, shut down, censored. We're not in an honorable position here. So if we're going to restore uh, and be in a position where God can restore honor to us, restore the wealth that he laid up for us in this life, restore the ground that we can take the ground that he has for us in these days leading up to revival. If we are going to have the life that he won for us, then we're going to have to engage humility and it's going to have to be more than a prayer. It's going to have to be more than a confession. We will actually have to submit our members, our humanity, our thoughts, the good ones, the bad ones. We're going to actually have to show up in relationships. We're going to actually have to be vulnerable, guys. You know, I think spirituality and spiritual gifts and calling and, and offices, I think they are the last hiding places of those that are righteous, that are declaring the word of God. And I say that because in our personal lives, many of us have experienced failed Christianity while we're professing the word. Why would people want to receive a word that hasn't changed our life? Why? Why? Why would I want to learn how to um, swim from somebody who's never swam, who doesn't know how to swim? That's ludicrous. No, when you want to learn to do something, you go where there's someone that has a track record in doing what you're doing. And then you posture yourself as a student. Well, we are the students of Jesus Christ. I don't care how big we get. I don't care how much influence we have. I don't care what God has done. We are still and will always be a student of our master and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Yes, we are his friends, but we are also his students. Listen, you know I, I, I say this all the time, and I feel like i I just say it, and maybe I'm just talking to the to the choir. i'm not I'm not sure, but i I really believe that Satan is not impressed. Satan is not impressed with our gifts. Satan is not impressed with us even speaking the word. I believe that the devil trembles when the word becomes flesh when the character that was in Jesus Christ is in us, that our insides match the word that we're speaking. I believe the devil trembles when he comes across a man or a woman who is the same on the outside as they are on the inside. There's a reason that the the word, the Bible calls a word a double-edged sword. The sword is to cut us first. And then others, many in the church are pleased, and, and we just cut others. I mean, just carelessly. I'll tell you this, when you've been cut by the sword, you swing it a whole lot different than if you've never been cut. You're much more careful when you pull that sh- the sword out of the sheath. You're much more careful when you just don't start uttering when somebody's telling you something. You just don't start quoting scriptures. You just don't pull the sword out of the sheath. You understand their condition. You hear their heart. You take a moment to understand their story. You understand their context. You begin to ask, what is the call of God on their life? Because there's obviously a discrepancy here. and God wants them to have every opportunity. So you don't just pull your sword out because you can. You pull it out when you intend to use it because there's something you need to separate. The problem is we are trying to separate without having been separated in some areas in our own lives. So Hebrews, Paul says it this way, he said the word of God is quick and powerful as a double-edged sword, piercing to the dividing or separating the soul from the spirit, the joints from the marrow, and the thoughts and the intents from the heart, what you do from why you do it. So we can stand for righteousness, and it's right. But we could have an unregenerate soul or a soul that has not come uh, come to the word or has been transformed by the word and will be wrong. So doing the right thing with the wrong motive, it will never prosper. It will never, God can't bless that. He will take the fruit of it, but he won't bless the vessel that it came from. It's so important. If we learn nothing else, if we get Hebrews 4.12 down, because – Why would Paul said that the word of God is intended to separate your soul and your spirit unless there was a need? And the need is this. God only sanctifies what's separated. He only sanctifies what is separated. He cannot sanctify your motives and bless your motives unless they've been separated unto him. He can't bless your soul and your thoughts, the good thoughts, bad thoughts, unless they've been separated to him. He can't sanctify your body unless it's separated to him. So whatever area you and I are struggling in, my guess there is a, in part what is contributing. I'm not going to say it's the whole deal, but one of the things that's contributing to that, it is not separated wholly unto God. There might You might make attempts. You might do a little here or there. I might make attempts. I do a little here or there. But I have not completely separated myself. So it's kind of like, I get a little clean, and then I go back. So a separation is imperative. We are in round two. I don't know if there are other rounds. As I was praying today, this is what the Lord brought to me. This is one of the things he brought to me in response to today. And so I just encourage you, and let us us just pray. Let us just even pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. Let every man be a liar. Father, I thank you that it has and always will be my prayer. Do unto me what seems good to you. Cleanse me. Lord, make me a woman of integrity. Make me true to the truth I teach. Father, I pray for these on the line. I pray, God, that your word would not return to you void, but it would accomplish what you set it out to accomplish and prosper into him and her whom you've sent it. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be glorified in us as we glorify you. I pray tonight, Father God, that we would learn how to worship you in spirit and in the truth of our own souls. Lord, I thank you because you said in John that, Lord, that we come to the light. If we don't come to the light, we're already condemned, Father. That we're already, Lord, condemned when we don't bring things to the light but Lord he who truly is after your heart will bring things to the light that we can be cleansed and so that we can know that we are of you father I thank you that you love us so much that you don't give up on us, that you give us a desire to do what pleases you I thank you and I praise you today father I thank you father God for every blessing for every trial For every joy, every pain, God. For in it, God, we are learning how to respond to you more perfectly. Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for compassion and mercy and integrity, God. Lord, I praise you and I bless you that you release the spirit of love, Father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we are moving into this round two as of today, God, I pray you continually release, God, the hidden ones, those that you have called, Lord, on every mountain, God, to speak. Lord, even in this hour, raise up people on each mountain, God, to carry your banner, your torch, to fly under the banner of love, to speak the word of truth in Jesus' name. I pray and I bless you, Father God, that you know every number of every hair on the head of each one that is on this call and the ones that will listen. I declare, Father, that you know they're down sitting in their uprising. You know the thoughts that will appeal to them even before they receive them, Father. And so, Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you have also said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have set us apart for yourself before the foundation of the world. You have even delivered us from bondage. And now you are asking us voluntarily to take part and separate ourselves unto you, to separate our bodies unto you, to separate ourselves, Lord, from the abominations that you hate, God. Lord, you lift in your word the abominations that you hate. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of them, that we might separate ourselves from them, Father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that tonight we separate our souls afresh to you, Father. Lord, every vile thought, every unforgiving thought, every joy, every pain, past, present, or future, God, whatever it is, every fear, every anxiety, God that we would spread out on your altar and say, God, be it unto us according to your will. Father, we desire for you to inhabit our souls, God, fully and completely, that there would be no mixture, God, that when the enemy comes, he would find nothing in us because we have been sold out to you and filled with your love and your blood. Now, Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus against every lying spirit, I plead the blood of Jesus against every weapon deformed. to, Lord, try and deconstruct this word or change or alter the word that you have spoken. I pray, God, for those that, Lord, something resonated from that was said tonight, Father. I pray that you would unpack it with them in your personal time with them. Lord, I thank you that they're separated unto you, God. They're separated unto you, God, in Jesus' name. Have your way, God. Gather together your people by reason of sacrifice, by reason of separation, God, that we might be sanctified and made holy as it is in heaven, God. For surely as we've already been sanctified, God, your desire is that it would manifest on the earth. For your word says kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Lord, we declare that we're already clean, we're already sanctified, we're already separated, and we're already saved in the heavens and the heavenlies and written in the Lamb's book of life. And now, Father, we pray for the physical manifestation here on earth that, like Jesus, we can come and live as men and women by the spirit of the living God, that you would be glorified again in your church, and that you would unify us around love and truth, God, justice and mercy, God. And we'll give you all the praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Bless you, Jesus. We thank you so much. We thank you so much. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. Amy, are you on the line still? if you'll start. Soon. Can you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> Praise God. I, I, am, I have two. I am on the line. <laughs> awesome. Well, a couple of things. If, if uh, the Lord's given you something or you want to chime in here. And the second thing, I, I had a thought and I, I'm open to um, that thought being redirected, <laughs> but I do have a thought. And my thought is this, I, I almost feel, um, You know, major things have happened today, and and the Lord has shared with me some things. Uh, I don't necessarily want to do that on a recording because I will write it out and publish my response um, so that there will be a document as to what I said and what I didn't say. But for the sake of this line, uh, I think at the end maybe I want to take it off recording and just share a couple of my thoughts about what happened today. So you can share as relative to this call and then I'll let you weigh in and, and we'll go from there.
1: Okay. I just think what I just have continued to hear today is that His grace is sufficient, that His grace is sufficient. Just grace, grace, grace. Just receiving His grace, that His grace is sufficient. And I know we say that a lot, but just really to meditate and take that in, that he really has provided, that his grace is truly sufficient in this separating and sanctifying time that we're in, that he has everything we need for sanctification and as we go and as we prepare ourselves, as as we come before him, that he has absolutely everything we need. Amen.
0: Praise God. I agree. I say yay and amen. Yay and amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it really is. I, I think leaning into the grace of God right now and let him surround us and love us and be truthful with us is really important. You know, God, you know, the, the blessing and the, what makes it easy for me to be honest with God, whether he's speaking to me directly or somebody else points out something, uh, that might be, uh, a discrepancy in my life. And, um, let me just say this. I don't have these rules that only certain people can speak to me. If a child is speaking truth to me, I want to have the humility to receive it. Let me say that again. I don't, there's not certain people that can speak in my life because I'm trained to hear truth, not people. And so part of humility is being able to hear truth, no matter who it comes from and to humble ourselves to that truth. And, um, It's real important because God is going to be speaking through people, and I believe different people, unusual people, and if we have the attitude, well, I'm in this office or this, and I can't really hear this from this person, we're likely to miss an invitation from God, and I don't want to be one to miss an opportunity or an invitation to further align myself with God or to come into alignment where I might be out of alignment, So yeah, I think grace is really, really important, real important right now. Was there anything else in? Nope.
1: I think we are in for some wonderful surprises.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. I
1: can laugh because we are.
0: (laughs) We are. I think so too. I heard you guys laughing before I got on. (laughs) You what? I heard you guys laughing before I got on. So.
1: Oh, we we yes. laugh on here. His joy, really, just Holy Spirit. It really
0: is. Enjoy. I don't care what's going on, and y'all are laughing. In this call. <laughs> I don't care what's going on, you guys. are laughing. It it is health and joy. You know, to to me personally, I appreciate it. Well, praise God. Let me give you the replay number for today's call. It is six zero five four seven five. Four nine eight zero six zero five four seven five four nine eight zero the access code is three four one zero 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 pound three four one zero 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 pound and the reference number is one three seven pound one three, seven pound. So those are the numbers. And later on tonight, it will be on Spotify. For those of you just like to click Spotify and you don't have to punch in all those numbers and everything, but we will post it uh, on Spotify later on this evening. All right. Well, I think we're good to go. Um, I am going to um, take the recording off and just share a couple of my thoughts um, with you about today. If you need to jump off, you can. Um, I'm just going to put this disclaimer out there. If you are listening, well, I'll just save that for as we get off. Let me stop the recording here. I didn't get any hands or flags or Amy jumping up and down. So <laughs> I'm going to.